Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Ryan Bonaparte. We're here to cover Purdue's 41-7 loss to Ohio State, and that is going to be just as fun a conversation as you can imagine it will be. I'm going to take a look at what went wrong and how Purdue wound up in that situation. Um, But before we do that, a little more lighthearted nut lightheartedness uh, at the beginning. Ryan, I understand you've got an update on a previous conversation we had about pumpkin spice season. Yes, I have finally been able to secure a pumpkin spice frosty. Okay, Wendy's. fantastic. What did you think? Honestly, compared to the other pumpkin spice things I've had, I didn't like it that much. Okay, okay. Paint me a word picture. Give me more than that. Hmm. It felt too synthetic. It so it at the same time it felt too realistic and too synthetic. Like it felt like it tasted too much like pump like an actual pumpkin would taste like and not <laughs> like pumpkin spice. Yeah, I mean it does taste a little bit different than most other pumpkin spice things I've had. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, like, I don't have a sophisticated enough palate, obviously, because I'm eating, you know, uh, pumpkin spice frosties from Wendy's. My palate is not exactly elevated um, to get these subtle notes from the different flavors. Um, but I enjoyed it. I could definitely see how you could taste, like, the 
not maybe synthetic isn't the right word, but like just the manufactured, like multi-billion dollar corporation flavor to it because it's very specific of a pumpkin spice flavor. Uh, but I have had three of them. So uh, I enjoy it. And it mm-hmm. helps that there is a Wendy's directly on the route to pick up my son from preschool. So nice. it's like if I'm if I'm doing good on time, I'm like, oh look, a little treat for me uh, as I as I head in to pick up my son. And in fact, there are two Wendy's I pass on the way to pick him up. So if I pass the first one and I'm like showing my willpower to not get one, and then I pass by the second one, then that's a, just a second test. Right. And again, it's not to say I didn't enjoy the Frosty. It's just compared to other pumpkin spice uh, food items, I like that one. I think that's a little bit less. I think that's completely fair. Let me ask you this, because I, as I said, I've had three of them now. Is it just me or has, mm-hmm. did the one you get, was it a little bit meltier than a normal Frosty? Hmm. Maybe it's just the quality of the Wendy's I've gone to. I, I can see that kind of around the edges where it starts it, it melts a little bit quicker. Yeah, I, I they needed to like to me they needed to crank up the coldness a few more degrees because I want it to be that thick delicious frosty a little bit longer before it gets into a, a little bit more of a soupy texture. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah. So this does beg a follow up question for you. Okay. So. I know that you enjoy the pumpkin spice frosty, but is there like a seasonal um, fast food item that reigns supreme for you? You know, not really, because most of them I don't really like. So there's, of course, the shamrock shake at McDonald's, but I don't like Mm -hmm. mint ice cream. So that throws that right out the window. Uh, There's, of course, the McRib which is yep. retired and then has come back out of the graveyard numerous times. But I'm not really I, – I don't know that I've ever had a McRib. The whole idea of it is just really weird. Uh, it could be delicious. I mean maybe I'm missing out, but uh, I honestly don't think I've ever had one. And I can't think of any other seasonal fast food things. I mean what am I missing? The only other things I would think of are like the seasonal Frosties, like the pumpkin spice. Yeah. They had the – Peppermint, Frosty. Um, I know there's usually something peppermint around Valentine's Day or strawberry sometimes. Yeah, I mean, strawberry is good. But again, like peppermint mm. or any any mint in my ice cream or my desserts, I'm just not a fan. So right. it, that not – and they do have a lot of seasonal things are peppermint or uh, I guess green mint, whatever the shamrock shake flavor is you want to say. Um, it's just not really my thing. Give me just as like if I want a mint, I will have a mint. I don't. I don't need my ice cream to taste like toothpaste. Okay. See, this is this is where we are going to balance because that is by hands down my favorite is the, the shamrock. Oh shake. man, no. I mean that's fine. I'm glad you're happy about it. I know that people just love it. I mean they go crazy for it. Oh yeah. So can't do McRibs though. Yeah, it nope, it's, tastes gross to me. Like, why imprint the bones? I don't know. I don't get it. Um, yeah. But so when you're finished drinking a shamrock shake, do you not just feel like I've just brushed my teeth? No, because you get, like, a vanilla with the mint. I mean, maybe it's been so long since I've had one. Maybe when it comes around again, I'll try it. But, like, I, I just I, – I'm not a fan of, like, mint chocolate chip ice cream or – 
I mean, that's obviously the big one, but anything with like mint chip or anything, it's just not, not what I want in my desserts, especially my ice cream. Fair enough. Okay. All right. There we go, folks. There's your, your seasonal and pumpkin spice update. We're going to be right back. We, we did everything we could to delay talking about the Ohio State game, but uh, we are contractually obligated. So right after the break, we're going to talk to you about Ohio State taking down our beloved Purdue Boilermakers 41-7. to Sign that contract. Okay. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we are back. So Purdue loses this one, as I said, 41 to 7. This is a game none of us thought Purdue was going to win. Everybody on the site picked Purdue to lose. Even Both, Gabby. Even Gabby. Even game day Gabby, who, you know, is... Die hard Purdue never picks against Purdue was just like I mean I can't embarrass myself I have to I have to be a real person and picked against Purdue. Um, it took everything she had to do that and she was right you know we were all right Purdue lost this one going away forty one to seven and it's just as I said you look at the schedule before the season starts you basically mark this one down as a loss. And then you're pleasantly surprised if something like the Tyler Trent game happens or you know the game. Uh, back in, I forget exactly what year, maybe uh, when when Ryan Kerrigan went off and, uh, you know, had about four or five sacks in a game and, and defeated Ohio State. But those things happen, and we love those games. Those games are memorable, but they stand out. But Ohio State is just much more talented than Purdue. They They are, even when we beat them, you know, they've got more talent on the roster, but Purdue somehow finds a way. This was not one of those games. Purdue just got kicked in the teeth basically right from the beginning. Uh, didn't even put up points until the fourth quarter uh, in what was, in essence, a meaningless touchdown. 
But, you know, 41 to 7 is is not a good look for anybody. And there were very few bright spots in this game on either side of the football. Um Ryan, do you have any bright spots you want to highlight before we we go too deep into this one? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, I've good. I got three. Good. Hey, that is that is three more than I had, so you can go ahead. All right. Oh, I've got Number one. one. Well, I've got one, but I'm pretty sure you're going to say it, so I'll let you take it. Okay. Number one, Purdue won the turnover battle. Two to zero. That's true. And, okay, I understand it was woefully outmatched by Ohio State. We all knew the final score was not going to be close. But the positive thing is this was an awful weather situation. It was rainy. It was just a gross evening or into the evening. And Purdue still held on to the football. That hasn't been the case all season. Yeah. Um, and that is very encouraging. In the previous era, this kind of game, you would expect Purdue to cough up the ball three or four times, couldn't get a ground attack going, and um, couldn't even throw the ball. So it was more encouraging that this kind of game didn't completely hold back an offense the talent on the other side of the field did. Yeah, yeah, that's Not true. Well. The um, the Jeff Brom era at Purdue was known for, if it's drizzling, we're screwed. Exactly. So um, that kind of brings me into my second point, which is the point I think you uh, were going to have, was Devin Mockney yep. played very well. Exactly what he, I was going to say. 18 rushes, 110 yards against a very stout defense. I mean – at the end of the day, you only put up seven points, so what did those yards amass to? But, hey, for a, um, for Devin, it was a clean game, and it was an effective game. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could really ask for much more out of him. Yeah, yeah, and he needed, I mean, he needed a game like this. He had been struggling, um, obviously put the ball on the ground quite a few times. Um, you know, Rick, Purdue got a lot of them that he put on the ground, but... You can't keep that up where you're fumbling once, you know, twice. In that one game, I believe he had three, uh, but lost none. You know, the odds are going to catch up to you there, and he has lost quite a few this season. So it was great to see him put up over 100 yards. Um, I think the the most rushing yards by a, an opponent uh, against Ohio State so far this year. And I think part of that was was motivated by the fact that Tyrone Tracy was out for this game. So Maccabee was out there getting a few more carries than he probably would have. Granted, only 18, but when you're down, you know, 41, uh, when you lose the game 41-7, to the assumption is you're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So Maccabee still did what he had to do back there. It's just unfortunate that it didn't result in anything going for the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the third thing I have is we finally got to see Mershon Rice contribute to the offense. I think it was more a factor of injury, but, hey, three receptions for 50 yards, that's that's a contribution. That's yeah. more than anyone else on the team. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's good to see that he has not completely gone away. Um, I think there's many out there that would like to see him contribute alongside with uh, T.J. Sheffield, Deion Burks, and 
um, the rest of the receiver room, which outside of Burks and Yassine is kind of unseen. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. And, and Yassine um, wasn't, uh, wasn't in this game. He was injured. So he was out for this one. Um, and that could be how Rice was able to get on the field and, and get those three catches for 50 yards. Maybe he just needed um, the opportunity and Yassine had been out playing him. So when Yassine is out, he, he stepped up. Um, maybe that is what it all it takes. Absolutely. And I mean, you look at Ohio state who has the best receiver room in the country and has for the past several seasons. Yeah. Um, you want to strive for a receiver room like that. It's incredibly difficult. Obviously no one's going to outmatch Ohio state's receiver room. But even Ohio state's receivers, you had four different receivers who had 50 yards. Purdue had one. So, like, it, there's obviously a gap. We know that. But when you get a receiver room that gets contributions out of so many different guys, it helps your quarterback and it helps your offense run smoothly. Yeah. I know everyone expects that out of an air raid offense, but you have to wait until the talent gets there and can really show what um, – Graham Harrell and the air raid can do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah when you're talking about Ohio State's wide receiver room I gotta say Marvin Harrison Jr. did not really impress me and maybe it was because of the weather but he had quite a Mm -hmm. few drops um balls that were thrown his way that I thought he should have had especially you know with obviously he's a hell of a player uh but I just Mm -hmm. think he didn't really have a great game against Purdue and I don't think that was – I don't think you can chalk up that to the coverage by Purdue. Um, I think a lot of that was just he had some drops, uh, made some mistakes, and maybe the weather played a factor as well, just like it did for the rest of the team. But I just – I wasn't really impressed with the way he played against Purdue the, um, this weekend. Yeah, I mean some of that might just be, hey, are you looking forward to Penn State and absolutely just not – uh, giving a second thought to the Purdue team. Yeah. And mind you, I we we say that to an extent. I mean, the guy still had six catches. Oh, absolutely. Yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So um, maybe. But as you said, you know, the weather can affect that, especially with those gloves. Those gloves, if you get any sort of moisture on them, they're useless. They are everything sliding off. So... That could be a factor, but that should not be the only factor. Yeah, and and again, I want to say, talking about what he did, obviously he's graded on a curve. You know, he's graded on a curve because he's widely considered the best wide receiver in college football this year. So mm-hmm. he obviously gets gets held to a higher standard than than everyone. So uh, that is all I'm saying, just to be clear. So I mean, overall, Purdue. Had a really had a decent first drive, went down to try to get a field goal, um, and the field goal kicking 0 for 3 on the day. Of course, Ben Freehill is injured. He's been out. So uh, Purdue rolling with their backup kicker, um, and he missed all three. And mm-hmm. that is um, Julio Macias missed all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not even the one who kicked the extra point, by the way. Um, Crockover yeah, kicked the extra Crockover. point, and he made it. But um, Masias 0 for 3, and the unfortunate thing is there was a fan uh, who came out for a contest and hit uh, multiple 
kicks longer than what Masias missed. And I know it's a different situation. You're in a you're you know you're playing a game. You got people trying to block it. All that, all that. But it is not a good look when you got a random fan coming in kicking a field goal, and then your kicker comes in and misses one that was shorter. It's just yeah. overall not a good look for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Salt in the wound. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was trying to remember exactly how long the kick was that the guy made. Uh, I think they said it was like 40 yards. Apparently he won yeah. a he won a two-year lease on a car. Like, yep. what a weird prize. First time they've ever uh, given out that award or that uh, prize, too. First time anyone's ever gotten there by kicking all three field goals and of course it's right before three missed field goals by Purdue. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, it's almost too good to be true. Yeah, it really is. Um, just, just kind of funny. Uh, I mean, not as if, you know, not as if those field goals would have really turned the game around, but you know, nine more points would have made it, made it look a little more respectable. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately would have been the same thing. So it's it's not a huge deal, but it's definitely something that you absolutely have got to pick up um, and figure that out. I don't know how long Freehill's going to be out. We haven't really, uh, you know, been given a huge update on the status of these injuries that we've got. It, it's similar to what we got under Jeff Brom. It's like, you know, he's trying. We're, we're coming back. But uh, in fairness to Ryan Walters, I don't think most people are asking about the kickers at the press conference. So... Um, they might be now. Yeah, they, they might be now. That is a great point. So Purdue, of course, did the thing that they absolutely love to do, got down to the one-yard line, first and goal, and decided to run it out of the shotgun and did not score. In fact, ran three plays uh, and got negative yardage on every single one and then had to kick a field goal, which we missed. So... Two things about that situation. One, Purdue, it was a Devin Mockaby run that got Purdue down to the one, I believe. And rather than hurrying up and just going and getting in the end zone, you know, throw card under center, hand it off to Mockaby one one time, get him in there, uh, we decided to get to the line and slow down, allow Ohio State to kind of catch their breath, figure things out, and then we take a snap out of shotgun. I I don't understand taking the time instead of hurrying up and trying to get some points because we were running up tempo that whole drive, and then we decide to slow down once we get to the one. And two, I don't understand going under or going at, at shotgun for that play and then handing it off when we've been doing that all year and we get to the red zone and it has not worked at all. I don't understand either of those things, and I'm wondering if you can try to explain to me what the hell was going on. No, um, I don't think I really have any sort of uh, explanation there. I, I don't know. It's these teams. Every team should have three or four plays where we need one yard. Let's go, and where you can say you know, you have a code word for it. You know. Uh, Omaha, for example, you know, Omaha, (laughs) lion, pickle, who cares what you call it? And you're running down, you call the play and you run it. Now, I don't want to get into the tush push conversation. Um, 
which every team should have as well. But, like, one yard is not that difficult as Purdue is making it seem. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you, you would think this was a fourth and 20 every time we get the first and goal at the one. It's it's unfathomable. It's like you almost think, hey, if we're running under center, they think they know what we're going to do. But um, clearly they know what you're going to do when you're in shotgun. Right. Um now, I will say, I kind of wish they had run the second play they ran down at the goal line on uh, first and goal, which was the direct snap to Devin Mockaby. Yeah, I mean, that could have worked. It could have, but again, if you, you have to go tempo, and when it comes to a team like Ohio State, you need to confuse them, if nothing else. You're not going to outrun them, is the problem. So it comes down to scheme and being the smarter team, and they weren't. Yeah. For for whatever reason, Graham Harrell tries to get way too cute in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes the smart play is the play everybody sees coming because it's the play that works. You know, when you get down to the goal line, it's okay to try to hand it off right under center or do a quarterback sneak at, you know, you're just trying to get one yard. And I, I just, I don't know why this Purdue team can't do it. Um, the only the only argument I saw from somebody on Twitter about why Purdue did not just immediately run a play um, right after Maccabee got down to the one is somebody argued maybe they thought Maccabee got close to, you know, going in. Maybe they thought the booth was going to review it. So they were giving them time. I did not see a replay of that particular play. So I don't know if he was close or if there was a chance that he could have gotten in. But if they truly thought that, then I understand it. However, what I would say to that is if you did think he got in and you wait and you allow the replay officials to kind of give their uh, perspective and they're either going to review it or not. If they don't review it, but you think he still got in, you can challenge it. I mean, we have that opportunity. So if you're going to already waste the time to get down there and wait for them to determine if they're going to review it, and they don't, what's the harm in you doing it? I mean, I'd, has Walters even used the challenge all year? Uh, I want to say he did once, but that could be wrong. I can't remember any. Um, I feel like there's been a lot fewer challenges this season in college football um, mm-hmm. overall, but you know, I don't have the numbers to back that up. Uh, that's just anecdotal in my head right now. So it, it's just, I don't know, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then, again, Purdue runs three negative plays, which ultimately I believe was four negative plays because we had a penalty um, as well on that. Yeah. So just, I mean, Graham Harrell needs to get it together. I, I don't know what this guy's doing. Um, some of the strangest play calling I've ever seen, just completely, I, I've said this before, like, He's doing things that are unexpected, which you want from an offense coordinator, but you want them to make sense also. Like, right. things that are unexpected can make sense, but he's just doing wackadoo shit that makes no sense. So you're like, mm-hmm. I guess that works. He's like, he's, he's overthinking everything because he's he says to himself, okay, if I was in this situation, I would go under center I would just hand off and try to get the yard. So if I know that, then the defensive coordinator knows that. 
So the defensive coordinator is going to be prepared for that play. So I'm not going to run that play. I'm going to run this play that they're not expecting. But then they're expecting me not to run that first play and to run the second play. So now they're expecting the second play. So I'm going to run this third play that no one is thinking of. And then you're like, how did we get here? Yeah. Uh, he He's playing 3D chess and everybody else is actually playing checkers because they have agreed to play checkers. And he's just making up his own game as he goes along. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, at least he's not run a flea flicker inside <laughs> the five. <laughs> uh, man, there there has been some really, really bad, like, game called, games called in college football this year. Yeah, that's Miami. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe they just did not take a knee to win that game. And the fact that it's the second time he's done that in his career. Oh, some people don't learn. I, yeah, I mean, you would you would think that would be, like, that situation should be etched in his brain, that it happened to him once. <laughs> and then to just have the exact same thing happen again is just crazy. Just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, uh, for those who care about gambling, um, I made some money on this game, so that was nice. Uh, but I was about to be really mad, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, so I bet Purdue would uh, not cover the spread, which that was obvious uh, in the second quarter. But then I, I picked Ohio State over 34.5. And, and then, of course, Ohio State missed an extra point with their very first touchdown. And then we're stuck at 34 for a long time. And I was like, they're just just—they're not going to try for a touchdown. They're just going to let it go. It's going to end 34-7, to and I'm going to be mm-hmm. so angry. Um, so I was, you know, a part of me was rooting for another Ohio state touchdown. Um, ultimately they did get it to, to get to 41. My, my buddy Joe, who I went to college with was in the paint crew with, um, he's a big Atlanta Braves fan. And the, the year they went to the world series, he was telling me that he bet against, uh, the Braves just like through not only like the playoffs, but the world series. He's like, because he was he's like I was so stressed and I was like at least if they lose I'll have won you know 20 bucks here 20 bucks there or whatever he goes I lost like a <laughs> whatever whatever it was he goes but you know what my team won the world series and I was going to be happy either way he's like it's the perfect emotional hedge yeah um it, it really is it works i mean i i probably would have hammered um a couple spreads a little differently if it came down to emotional hedging. But um, what was it, a 58-yard touchdown? Something like that. Got to 40 with? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was – I like, I was very annoyed for a little while there. I was like, this is outrageous. It was, um, it, yeah, 58-yard touchdown. Uh, because the game was – I think was, that was on the guy's first career catch too. Uh, it was one of those – it was like, we've already lost the game – I just, you know, just let them have even a field goal would have done it for me. So I was like, I don't care. Just get let the kicker get out there and and get his leg going. Um, so you know, I won won sixty eight bucks from it. In case anybody was really curious, um, so you know, decent day. I was happy with that. But man, <sighs> you hate to see your I team lose. Your Peacock subscription. Yeah, paid for my paid for my year of Peacock right there. Um, so the, the last thing I want to talk about, and, and Ryan, you can jump in if you want to add anything after this, but there's a real negativity in the fan base right now, at least on Twitter and, and on our Facebook page as well. 
And I know that is not a fair representation of the fan base. I know that everyone is angry when they're online. It just, you know, the anonymity makes it so much easier. But people have this idea that this Purdue team was going to come in and play exactly like they did last year and make their way to the Big Ten West uh, title and, and play in Indy again. But there are so many problems with this football team that we knew going in. I mean, you and I are cockeyed optimists about Purdue sports, and especially uh, when we talked about the Purdue football season. You know, we had this team on a on the very best case scenario we talked about. The very best case, we said seven wins. And I mean, that's not going to happen. I think we're. I think it's safe to say we're not going to win seven games. Uh, but I don't think saying seven wins is an out was an outrageous idea, but it was the very tip top. Everything would have had to go right for this team to win seven games. And it clearly hasn't. There's been a number of injuries. The the offensive coordinator, I think, has not done what we thought he was going to do. And overall the schedule is just a lot harder um, than it was last year and than we thought going in. You know, maybe it's my my Big Ten bias, but looking at, you know, Fresno State and Syracuse on the schedule, I thought Purdue would win those games. Um and maybe we should have. You can argue that, and, and I'd listen to that argument. So, you know, if that was the case, Purdue would be looking at four and three on the season. And then maybe seven games is possible. Um, so that's my that was my thinking going in. But there are these people who are all already arguing that Walter should be fired, that Walters is Daryl Hazel 2.0, that Bobinski should be fired for hiring ha- or hi- hiring Walters. And it's just... People need to take a step back, as I said before, touch grass, look at the schedule. Purdue has had, according to some measures, the hardest schedule in the country. We lost our head coach. We lost the entire coaching staff. And not only did we lose, you know, uh, starting quarterback, best wide receiver, best tight end, all to the NFL draft, we also had our coach, who our former coach, took a bunch of good players with him out the door as he left. So... It, mm-hmm. It's not as easy to rebuild. Even look at look at Colorado. Look at what Deion Sanders has done. Tried to turn over that whole roster, and he just you know blew a huge second half lead to Stanford um, over there in Colorado. So it, it's not as if this is an easy thing to do. So p- to pretend that Walters is a terrible hire, just his first season in after only seven games, is is just outrageous. And I think people need to stop with that BS. Uh, I'd like to point out two of the teams that outside of Ohio State that Purdue played are were ranked throughout the year. Um, Fresno State was ranked, and Iowa is currently ranked as of today. Yeah, but it's not Wisconsin. You're never going to beat. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, um, that curse is real. And I mean, I would like to see kind of what people with these high expectations what they think that Purdue could have done because there's those I'm as you said we're optimistic and we said seven wins now mind you even the optimists can point out Purdue can still get to six wins this year if they run the uh, non-Michigan table yeah the non-Michigan table that's a key caveat yeah so like I I just find it difficult for any of these predictions to really hold water. And as you said, seven games into a season, we have no idea where this team is going to go. We 
want to say it's going to go up and above and beyond. And Ryan Walters will be in the same breath as Tiller and maybe before that even Brom. We want to say that, but we don't know. But to say that he's going, that he is already pegged as one of those is ludicrous. I mean, he doesn't have the talent yet. And I believe it's Purdue who has somewhere in the realm of, I want to say 17 high recruits coming in for next year. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. If you look at most of the recruiting, um, you know, our websites, they have Purdue roughly, I believe in the mid twenties as far as recruiting class for next year. Yeah. I don't even know if Brom was getting that high level. of No, no, I don't believe he was. I mean, he got the occasional so, one, but uh, not in a more in a complete class like this next one is for um, for Walters and staff. Yeah, and let's be honest. One of the five star recruits fell backwards into Jeff Brom's lap. Like Je- George Karloftis was coming to Purdue no matter what. Yeah, yeah, being right down the road sure helps. Yeah. Um. So. Obviously, there's a lot more going on, but look what Louisville's doing this year with Jeff Brom. I mean, they were ranked before an abysmal game this weekend. But which, which, by the way, down. classic Jeff Brom special. As uh, right. we said in the group chat, you know, you go out and you beat Notre Dame, you beat your ranked opponent, you come in to play against Pitt, a terrible football team, and you throw up an absolute clunker. And lose to Pitt. I mean, nothing is more Jeff Brom than that. Emotional hangover. Yes. He he was the king of that at Purdue. Yeah. So, but with what he's doing over there, you see the disparity. And Ryan Walters got, got his way to go. He's got to go up still. But we have to let him move up or down before we can peg him as a basement dweller. Yeah, and I personally don't think he'll drop that low. I don't either. He's a cool I mean, guy. Yeah, I mean, com- comparing him to Hazel, I think, is just completely unfair. Um, they, I mean, people team tend to forget how awful Hazel was and how bad those football teams were, and and, and how just incompetent they looked at times. Um, right. Man, though, that was Triple some bad. Kicker. <laughs> that was some bad football. That was some bad football. Yeah. And it's it'll get better. The recruits will start coming in, and my hope is that Graham Harrell can improve. Yeah, Harrell's got to so, improve. I mean, and again, it's yeah, it gets to the point where you you can't only judge the head coach; you also have to judge the assistants. And sometimes one goes out the door, another better one can come in, but um, it's. It's all too early to tell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You can't, you can't judge this guy's entire career based on seven games, and we we just have to wait and see. I mean, that's we are a mid-level Big Ten team, and this is what's going to happen. Um, we'll have down years, but we got to figure out how to make them fewer and farther between. Um, and Purdue is putting the money into the program, um, paying more to the coaching staff. Uh, great new locker room, great new weight room, um, additional staff members for recruiting and things of that nature. And with the transfer portal, it makes it possible to improve your team a lot faster. 
And I expect Walters and company, now that they've you know seen the team, they know what the team needs, I expect the transfer portal to be a key um, way of making this team better once this season is over. Um, it's going to be a lot different than what they kind of went for as they were going into their first season because it's so much harder to truly evaluate everybody uh, before you've seen them in person in a game. Um, but I think now they've been able to do that, and I think they'll hit the transfer portal hard in the off season. So uh, I'm really looking forward to see what they can do. But this season isn't over, you know. Uh, right. College football is wild. You know, you you saw Pitt lose or beat Louisville. Um, anything can happen any week, and except for maybe when Purdue plays Michigan. Let's throw that out. Um, but the rest of the, the of Purdue's schedule after that Michigan game is a lot easier. We'll see where it goes. Four winnable games. Can Purdue win them? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of injuries on this Purdue team, especially that offensive line. But Purdue doesn't have a game next week. We've got a bye week. And maybe a little time off can get some of those guys healthy. Maybe we can figure out what we're doing on the offensive line. Maybe the kicker gets healthy. Maybe Ryan mm-hmm. Walters takes Graham Harrell into a closet and yells some words at him. I don't know. But right. we've got time. And this isn't a one-season thing. It is a multi-year commitment to changing this football team. And I really believe that Ryan Walters can do it if we give him the patience. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember all of this, this schedule that people may have in their heads of when they would like Ryan Walters to look, you know, to have his peak team is really accelerated by with just the pure difficulty of the schedule. Yeah. Um, the schedule makers did uh, Purdue no favors in the athletic department for what they're scheduling, and it's not going to get any easier um, going forward. Yeah. This is probably one of the, um, for the lack of a better term, easiest schedules Purdue's going to have. But that being said, um, when you have these teams that are, to the level of the Big Ten West, we'll say. <laughs> you have to take advantage True. moving forward. Yeah, I think you get a pass because it's so early on, but moving forward in next season and beyond, when you get you know a down Wisconsin or an Iowa that can't score effectively, you have to take advantage, and we hope that Ryan Walters will be able to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so, as we said, Purdue on a bye this coming week. Uh, so, we may just skip the uh, midweek episode just to give you all a break. I know we've been churning out episodes um, week after week for you. So, um, unless something you know big happens in the interim that we needed to cover, uh, we might just take a week off there and come back to you next week as we look forward to Purdue's next game. But, Ryan, if you have anything else about Ohio State or, or Ryan Walters of the fan base, now's the time. Otherwise... We're going to shut her down. Nope. Can only look up. There you go. There you go. So for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for joining us, folks. Boiler up. Hammer down. <laughs>